Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to Your World Today. My name is Anissa Isak. This is our final interview before Molana Yusuf Bimit comes on. He will be talking to you about the Sunnah Sports Retreat as well as the final discussion on Iran. For now, wildlife is one of Africa's main tourist attractions. However, the industry has faced challenges like poaching, illicit trade and food scarcity, threatening the livelihood of the animals across the continent. This afternoon, we are joined by Professor of Veterinary Science at the University of Pretoria, Adrian Tordif, to learn more on this issue. Adrian, good afternoon and welcome to the show. Good afternoon and thank you for having me. Well, thank you for making time to be with us this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Please give us an insight into wildlife conservation here in Africa in terms of the trends and opportunities as well as the challenges. Yeah, I think, look, it's it's one of the um, biggest challenges we have across the continent. We've got, you know, about a quarter of the world's mammals and about a fifth of the bird species, you know, occur in Africa. Um, it's it's a country that, you know, in which agriculture has been a bit slow to develop, which has actually been a tremendous advantage to most of the wildlife. And, and it's one of the reasons why Africa still has such a diverse level of wildlife is because, you know, in, in, in Asia, in the Middle East, um, even in, in countries like uh, in North America, you know, there's been agriculture for quite a, a longer period of time. And um, that seems to have a direct effect on on uh, the diversity of animals that we uh, we, we encounter. But um, as we've got other problems now in that Africa is one of the poorest con- uh, continents, you know, overall. And uh, you know, people really um, they're starving are also going to start poaching animals. Uh, they're also going to start trading. We have a, you know um, a wide diversity of different animal products that are in high demand in other areas of the world mm-hmm. and you know it, anybody with without an income can very quickly you know uh, earn some um, much needed money in, in many cases by poaching animals and um, exporting or, or assisting that the only problem is that many most of the, the, the poor people that that really are not actually benefiting in the long term and then, um, you know, so many of our populations across Africa are still in decline. We we have some protected areas, but even those are poorly funded by governments. And, um, you know, so they really do struggle uh, to maintain them. The funding tends to go to other areas um, rather than into conservation. Um, I think there's a bit of short-sightedness there. But there are countries that, you know, where, where things are turning around, where ecotourism is um, becoming a lot more stable and, um, you know, where that income generated from, from tourism is uh, bringing in a lot more money. And that's bringing stability and, and protection to you know, areas like Malawi and so on. But, um, yeah, we've still got a long way to go. Yeah, in South Africa? Well, in South Africa, um, yeah, there's some very good success stories in South Africa. Uh, many of, uh, in 1994, there was a change, obviously, to democracy. And um, there was also change at the time towards uh, a move from many of our cattle farmers moved over to um, game, having game reserves or, or nature reserves uh, and to try and attract ecotourism. 
Um, and, you know, that has, uh, you know, over the last 20, 30 years has had tremendous effect. So many of our species, including the one that I'm very much focused on, the cheetah, has benefited tremendously from those small reserves that have been converted from cattle farms into, into wildlife reserves. And, uh, the numbers have stabilized, increased, and, you know, and, and now we're at the point of, of, um, where we're going to start moving animals from here to India. So, you know, there, there are certain areas, um, that have, dramatically benefited in, in southern Africa, whilst other areas, um, you know, still we're struggling. We're struggling with, with yes. conservation, particularly of our waterways and things like that, where we've seen a massive, massive destruction and decline due to pollution and um, that sort of thing. So there are some wins, but there are also some terrible losses. Yes, absolutely. So pre-COVID, um, you know, we, we saw better life conservation, I think, maybe in South Africa and then after Post-COVID, obviously, we're seeing, uh, um, you know, finding it difficult to deal with this. But climate change has mm. been one of the factors as well, as you've just mentioned, with regards to waterways, its pollution and climate change. Um, and and yes. seeing, you know, a lot more, I mean, tourists uh, come to, to Africa basically a lot because of the big five that we have and um, the wide expanses Great, yeah. that we can find them in. And um, has COVID in any way impacted on wildlife conservation in Africa? Uh, absolutely. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the number of tourists just declining um, so rapidly has had a massive impact uh, with many, many reserves uh, that have, I think, barely made it through the skin of their teeth, you know, and, and just made it. And others have, have, have managed, you know, the, the, the wealthier reserves, um, uh, you know, have, have managed to, to make it through. But, um, you know, often uh, the problem was they had to get rid of staff, um, uh, or reduce the number of staff that were working for them, shorten their hours. Um, and, and I think they, you know, we're only really starting to see some of that recovery now. And it's really, I mean, a lot of that funding that comes can then be plowed back into into conservation. So mm-hmm. um, it has had a dramatic impact. Uh, and, you know, that's one of our problems elsewhere in Africa. You know, South Africa has got the big, big advantage that we are relatively stable in terms of, of uh, you know, we don't have uh, any um, major conflict in, in the country, but obviously crime is still an issue. Other areas of Africa, you know, most um, European and North American and, um, you know, visitors are not going to feel comfortable um, going out there or they're taking yeah. larger risks and so the, the, you know that that's by um, creating a safe environment we you know and, and reducing crime we have a, a direct effect on on tourism which would benefit um, so it's a, it's a very uh, complex system that um, has many many different um, issues that need to be dealt with before mm-hmm. you can get to mm-hmm. the actual nitty-gritty of, of doing some real conservation. Now, we've seen um, leopards here in South Africa, um, you know, suddenly on the loose and obviously being killed. And um, there's been quite a bit of an uproar with regards to that. One of the issues is why are private citizens being able to keep uh, these as pets? Mm. Um, and many people, myself included, do not feel that, um, you know, these cats should be kept as pets. They are meant to be in the wild. No. Um, so, you know, this is there a lack of legislation that that you know allows this to happen or is it just uh, you know people trying to get away with it 
No, it's definitely a lack of legislation. I mean, we've, we've, we um, focus very much in South Africa on our uh, indigenous wildlife, so it would be very difficult sometimes to own an uh, indigenous species. So, for instance, a lion or, it, or, or you know, or, it's not impossible. It's just that it's a little bit more difficult and you've got to get the right permits. But if you're going to have a, uh, a tiger, for instance, um, it's considered an exotic species and there's very little legislation that governs the, the ownership of exotic species. Technically, you can you, you can own them. Um, now, there, there are a few issues there. One is just the, the issue of um, smuggling these particular animals and the control over who can own them and who can't. But then there's also the issue of them being dangerous animals. Mm-hmm. And then the third issue where our legislation really isn't that great either is on the animal protection side, the wealth, animal welfare side. So it's fine to have these animals, but you've got to have the proper facilities. You must, you know, and they need to be fed the proper diet and all that kind of thing. And most people are completely ignorant of that. And so in, in the end, many of these animals end up suffering um, because they've been fed the wrong thing, kept in too small, uh, you know, sort of facilities. Uh, they don't get the kind of exercise they need. All that kind of thing becomes a real problem. So in terms of uh, across the board, you know, we have a real problem. We have good nature conservation legislation but then as soon as you move into anything outside of that you know outside of the indigenous species we end up with a a number of loopholes and problems in our legislation Mm -hmm. is government looking at that at the moment I think they're quite slow um, because nobody really wants to, you know, let's just take the Animal Protection Act, I think it's 1960s that it was, you know, it hasn't been amended since. And, uh, for example, the the, the National um, SPCA, the NSPCA, is responsible um, in, to actually enforce that whole piece of legislation. Um, so there's actually, and they're not even a government organization, they get no funding from the government. So mm-hmm. uh, our biggest problem there is just that there is, um, you know, government itself is very unwilling to to take charge of that. You know, nature conservation on the one hand is responsible for conservation, but animal welfare is not necessarily a nature conservation issue. And the Department of Agriculture on the other side, um, you know, with the, with, with the state veterinarians and everything, they also don't really take responsibility for that. And I think there's just no political will to actually uh, move forward on that because it would require quite a lot of substantial, you know, sort of st- substantial um, injection of money and resources and so on. Mm. Pretty sad for that to happen because, I mean, it's it's sorely needed uh, when we see what's been happening recently. And I think also it would give protection to the um, animals that, that need it. I mean, big cats, I, I just can't understand why anybody would want to have a big cat in a suburb um, when it should be out roaming in the wild where you can actually appreciate its beauty and function um, so much more. But um, yes, I suppose I we all have our opinions. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they, they can be looked after in captivity, but you know, they, you know, then you, a great deal of of um, information is is needed and and care. Um, yes. But the problem is, uh, you know, that's not always available. Mm, true. Well, thank you very much for your time. Much appreciated. And uh, I think we've learned quite a bit with regards to the wildlife conservation here in Africa. And hopefully we see more legislation come through in South Africa to protect our animals. Um, they are one of the draw cards for us, um, I must say. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was Adrian, Professor Adrian Tordiff talking to us about wildlife conversation on the African continent. Really sad to see how animals uh, are treated and yet they make up. I think when you put animals and insects together, they outnumber us humans by a huge margin. And yet we are the ones who have the ability to think and reason. 
but uh, sometimes you wonder whether that is actually true.